0: I'm ready for some hugs. Uh, Is Roselle here today? Boy, I miss her hugs. I tell you what, I don't know if she's here, but all right. Uh, It is good to be together. Have you, uh, can you relate to just having moments in your life where you just lose your mind? I mean, if you just, where you just like, you just lose your mind. You don't know what, you're stressed out, you're exhausted, and you just lose your mind. I I was listening to some examples and I was cracking up. Uh this one's actually happened to me. It's very embarrassing. But this woman is talking on her on her phone to her daughter and uh she's listening but she's not really listening cuz she's frantically looking all over the house for something that she's lost. And finally after 10 minutes she finally interrupts daughter like, "Sorry, I'm just stressed. I can't find my phone." And the daughter's like, "Mom, you're call- you're on it. You're you're talking to me." Like, "Oh, that's right. It's right." <laughs> Oh, man, you just lose your mind. There's uh, another story. I heard a woman who, she wakes up in the morning, she's like, dang it. I keep forgetting today I'm going to return the TV Walmart mount that we're not using. i got to get my money back, my 60 bucks back. That was a waste of money. And I'm doing it today. So she grabs the TV wall mount. She goes to Walmart. She's trying to return it when they discover that it's the wrong one, that this was the one for the other TV that she actually is going to use. So she goes back home. And she's frustrated and frantic, and she tells her husband, you got to find that Walmart. He searches the house for an hour. He comes in. They realize eventually that she returned it two months ago, losing her mind. Have you ever lost your mind? Here's one of the ones that I thought was crazy. Dad goes and takes his son to school, walks onto campus, drops off his kid. He's walking back to his car, and he realizes that the little kid is not with him. And he starts freaking out. And he's running around, screaming his kid's name. He gets other parents. He gets teachers, faculty. They are trying to find this kid. They call the cops. Hours later, they realize that dad never even brought his son, the little one, to school. The son was chilling at home with mom the entire time. Losing your mind. Some of you aren't laughing because you're like, yeah, that happens to me every day. Some of you are just too embarrassed to admit, like, that kind of stuff is always happening to me. I got up, and I went over and then I forgot why I got up and went over it. We are a fragile species. We are a people that cannot stay in the same place. We lose our minds. We lose our heart. We're up and down from one extreme to the other. We're forgetful. We're easily influenced. We're a people who find it almost impossible to stay consistent in the things of God to the life that God has prescribed for us the best life that we have to remind ourselves it's so hard for us oh how much we must grieve the heart of god and drive him crazy yet he always seems to have consistent patience and love and leadership for our lives and today we're going to remind ourselves of where he gives us the most consistent leadership in our lives and so if you're able would you please stand to honor the reading of god's word we are going to be in second timothy in chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 16 and then read a little bit of chapter 4. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Come, Lord Jesus. We are here because we need you. God, we thank you for the life and health in our bodies right now today. We do not take that for granted, Lord Jesus. We thank you that we have energy to be here. We thank you that you have saved us. And we say, Jesus, open up our hearts and our minds. Help us to lock in so that we can hear your word. Speak to us, Lord Jesus right where each one of us are asked. Speak to us, right where our hearts are, where we need to hear. We love you, and we need you. We give this time to you, and we pray this in your name, and all God's people said, amen. You can take a seat. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. I think that time has come. I don't know of a better, more accurate description of the times that we're living in. And I don't know of a better, more accurate description of what is the most effective, persistent temptation that followers of Jesus face every day. Our daily lives, I think, can be summed up the wrestling match with our desires, we get up and we seem to put the shackles back on and let our desires be our master for the day, whether it's hunger or happiness, pleasure, comfort, revenge, loneliness. There's such a strong pull every day in being a puppet to desires. We're a fragile people. And the first step towards healing and wholeness is simply admitting that we are fragile. Can I get an Amen. That our desires really do have strong pull in our lives. God understands. He understands because he made us this way. We don't have to beat ourselves up about this reality. We just have to stop the sophisticated ways we convince ourselves that we really aren't slaves. God is God and we are not. That's the first fundamental truth if you want to have a whole life. just sink into that truth. God is the creator and we are creatures. Amen? We are creatures, and there's just a great peace when we settle into that truth. There's a great sobriety and clear thinking when we step back and accept who we are and who we're not. The problems don't come in our lives simply because we are creatures of desires. The problems come when we stubbornly insist that those desires are always right and are what we will worship When we start seeking out teachers who tell us whatever our itching ears, whatever our desires want to hear, then the problems start to pop up. The classic example that makes this so clear is when someone hurts us. Someone hurts us, offends us, disrespect us, and so we're hurt, we're angry. And so there are desires right there in that moment that want to rule us. I think you all know what I'm talking about, right? And the problems don't show up just because we are hurt and angry. The problems show up when we go to teachers or friends who tell us what those desires, those itching ears want to hear. He did what to you? She said what to you? Oh, you need to do this to him. You need to tell her this. You need to get that respect. And then all of a sudden, we follow those leaders, and the problems start to pop up. Amen? So do you want your ears tickled, or do you want the truth? Paul, who is writing to a young pastor in Timothy, gives Timothy the antidote to this disease. He says, preach the word, whether the time is favorable or not, meaning whether people want to hear it or not. No matter their response, preach the word. Preach the word with patience, young Timothy, because humans are made to have strong, deceitful desires. This is a tough journey. Preach the word to correct wrong thinking preach the word to rebuke people who are stubbornly destroying their lives and the lives of their family and friends and encourage people with good teaching that god made us to have strong desires to fulfill to, to to find the fulfillment of our desires in him that is why we all have such strong desires is that god made us that way so that we would find the fulfillment in him to find the correct way to react to our desires that align with His ways that will lead us to health and wholeness. Amen? All right, you're with me. Here we go. See, today there is a clear word for me, your pastor, and for the other pastors and elders of this church. We as pastors have to decide if we're going to be those teachers that just give you all what your itching ears want to hear, or if we're going to teach the entire counsel of God, no matter whether it's received well or not. Not to mention that myself and your pastors need to follow the Word of God that they teach. Amen? You can strongly amen that one. You're allowed to do that, all right? See, we are accountable to what we teach. And there's a different kind of evaluation on the life of a preacher. It is not a task to be taken lightly. It is easy to be a teacher that teaches what everyone wants to hear. It's easy to be a popular, fun, cool teacher, but a teacher who never rebukes or never corrects in patience and love, of course, but but a, pe- a Preacher who never does that is not a teacher who is following the ways of the Bible. And if you look at Titus chapter 1, there are strong words for pastors who teach false teachings, whatever he wants to hear, for the sake of getting their money. Oh, mama, you can say amen to that one. Mm Mm-hmm. If we are to admit and be secure that we as a human species are fragile, that we lose our minds, that we lose our hearts, that we're slaves to our desires, then teachers of the Word need to admit that there will always be some gentle, patient correcting to do. If there's, and for their lives first, and in the lives of the people that they're asked to teach to. If there's not correcting from a teacher, then there's not an acceptance of reality. So the Bible, the Bible is not a textbook that is to be used like a class textbook, where once you take the class and pass the test, you're done with the textbook. The Bible is a living document. It is God's words that are always fresh, that are always timeless, that are to be our daily foundation to pull us back when we fall off, to correct us when we're thinking wrong, to lead us through the difficult journey of dealing with all kinds of desires. Uh, Recently, uh, my wife was in our tiny little car, And a big car didn't see her. They were at a stoplight, and the big car was impatient and didn't want to wait. And and so backed right up into my wife into the tiny car and crunched the whole front hood. Everybody was fine. Well, the the car is in the shop, and so their insurance is paying for a rental car for us. So I got in this rental car, and, right, you know, uh, we don't have the, the newer car. It's a newer car with all the tech now, right? And I'm driving along, and all of a sudden, the car starts beeping and shaking, Beep, 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 shake, and I'm like, what the, and then it stops. I'm like, what the heck was that? And then I'm driving a little more and beep, 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 shake, shake, and I'm like, is there, is there a bomb in this car that is like getting, it's like triggered or something, you know? And then I figure out that the tech is if I start to drift into the other lane, it starts going off to get me back into the right lane. And then I realize if I use my blinker, it won't go off. And so that'll tell you that I am a bad driver. I have not been using my blinker. I just go. I mean, I'm that guy. I'm impatient. you know. So driving this rental car is like correcting me. And this is exactly what the Bible is. It's, the Bible is to be, for our entire life, that place where when we start drifting and our desires start drifting us into the wrong lane where we're going to get into an accident and mess things up, And that's right, get me back right in that lane that God has for my life. The Bible is constantly giving us clarity and conviction for all of our lives. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It's a living document, a place where we can always be sure that we are hearing the heart and will of God. See, far too often I see people who have been following Jesus for a long time slowly be less and less in the Bible. When we first come to Jesus, we are hungry, we're starving for leadership, and we consume God's Word. And our itching ears get scratched permanently in the right way, right? But then slowly we start to drift. We start getting this lie in our head, well, I've already read that, I know the story, I know the truth, but there is a difference between knowing something as information and being led by truth, amen? As I've often said, we are what our inputs are. If you want to know who you are in real time, how you think, what you feel, what you're convicted about, what you're angry about, just look at what are all of your inputs. Whatever we're hearing and seeing and processing, that is what most controls us. We are a fragile people. We don't stay in the same place in terms of strength and discipline and convictions and thinking. So if our time in the Bible and the Word is smaller than our time on social media, in news, uh, in shows, in movies, in gossip with friends, then we are being influenced and led by those other things. It doesn't matter what kind of information we have in our brains about from, in the Bible from past reading, although that's obviously good. We are being led by what we're consuming ourselves with right now. And I would venture to say that most of what we are consuming is teachers who just tell us what our itching ears want to hear. Echo chambers. And I've seen this with long-term Christians. They'll read Christian books. I love Christian books. But they'll read that more in the Bible. They'll get into uh, worship music or in the Bible. That's great. We're a fragile people, and we need to be in the Word, in all seasons of life, to be led by the Word, to be corrected, to be encouraged, to be reminded of what is actually the best life. Do you want your ears tickled, or do you want the truth? Now, see, the Bible doesn't exist to tell you how to make every specific decision of your life. You're not going to find in the Bible a verse that says, if you are born in 1992, are male, enjoy sports, and you should work as a physical therapist, and you should marry a woman named Rebecca. Rebecca. You ain't going to find that kind of stuff in the Bible. The Bible is not a crystal ball. The Bible, however, gives us the heart of God, the character of God, and the purposes of God, and it gives us the purposes of our lives and the wisdom and the leadership and the principles of the kingdom of God to help us make specific decisions like, should I take this job or not? Should I marry this person or not? What should I do in this chaotic situation? But then the Bible gives us universal truths that are to lead and govern our lives at all times, no matter what season of life we're in. Universal correction and guidance because it knows that we're fragile and we'll just try to justify living out our desires that cause us to drift and then actually brings chaos into our lives. These are absolute truths at all time. I'll give you a couple quick examples. The Bible is clear. At all times, Jesus is supreme. Jesus is the only one worthy of our absolute worship. We would not be able to live in that truth if we did not see and hear the words of Jesus in the Bible and understand the depths of who Jesus is by the Bible. If we're not regular in the Bible, we will not live out that Jesus is the only one worthy of worship and the most supreme being in our world. Another truth that is universal in the Bible is a clear call from God to intentionally commit to Christian community, to church friendships. If we do not get this regularly from the Word, we will drift into just always hanging with the people that were around in work and in blood family all the time who are like us. We will be flaky in our church commitment, and then we won't be intentional in spending time with people who are a little different from us but who share our love for Jesus, and we'll have superficial Christian community. It will bring chaos into our lives. We are who our relationships are. And the Word is clear in all seasons. Find Christian community. Another universal truth that's in the Word. Forgiveness and love is always central in all seasons of life. It means we can never demonize anyone. We can set boundaries, but we can never demonize them. And we can never demonize ourselves. See, if we don't meditate on the thousands of scriptures that bring us into the overwhelming heart of God then our feelings will cause us to drift into shame, into judgments, into comparisons, into anxiety. The Scripture brings us back to what is true about ourselves. I'm loved by God no matter what. It can't go away. And even my greatest enemy is loved by God. There are so many truths that we could spend all day highlighting that are universal That the word just keeps coming back to. But allow me just to sink actually into one more universal truth. And I have been wrestling all week long not wanting to do this. And I finally realized yesterday, oh my gosh. The reason why I don't want to do this is because I am anxious and nervous about how everybody is going to take this. I am actually falling into the preachers that just give people what they want to hear. And I have had to say, all right, Lord, in faith. The scripture from cover to cover says in so many ways, so clearly, that every dime and money that we earn, every job, every income, all the stuff we have belongs to God. Our healthy bodies and functioning brains that allow us to work are a gift from God. All that we have ultimately belongs to God, and the Bible is clear that he asks us to manage his, his stuff in specific ways you'll see this huge call to generosity all over the Scripture, but then God gets very specific. The Bible is clear that we are to give a minimum of 10% of all that we receive and earn to the church He has called us to and to those who are in need, who are more physically uh, struggling than we are. He gives an actual percentage of all times It's a spiritual discipline that constantly reminds us that all we have is actually God's. It's a regular act of real worship as it declares that we worship God more than we worship money and stuff. It's an act that says, God is my provider, not me. God has the responsibility of taking care of my needs, not me. God has given me everything. It's his, and he asked me just to give 10% back so that I don't forget all these truths. In fact, Jesus talks about this. He says, you can sing all the songs you want. I'm paraphrasing. You can tell me that you worship me, but but where you put your money is where your heart is at. Jesus is clear. Where your treasure is, is your heart. I'm no fool. You can say everything you want, but show me the last six months of what you've done with all the money you have, and I'll show you what is most important to you and where your heart is really at. Most of us do not like this teaching. And this correction, our our itching ears want to hear that we can give whatever we want, whenever we want, and we want to hear that it's okay to spend our money the way we want to spend it because it's my money. Now, I'm going to keep going, but I want to be clear for those of you who are new. I do not make a cent from the, the giving that comes in this church. I am not teaching this because I want more money. And I do not believe that pastors are supposed to be made rich off of the giving at the church. They should be, have their needs met, not let them be poor, but they should not be rich. All right, there's nothing going on here. Hear this word. Some Christians will say hey, that at 10%, that's an Old Testament thing. Jesus doesn't require 10%. That's actually not true. In Matthew 23, 23, and in Luke 11, verse 42, Jesus affirms that you should give a minimum of 10%. He's talking about being generous to the people who are poor as above the 10%. And then he specific, his specific words are, you should tithe, which is translated, you should give 10%. Yes, that's pretty clear. Some will say that 10% is legalistic, that we don't earn our salvation through religious rules, that God is full of grace, and that we can give when we want and what we want. Now, I want you to think about this. This is exactly how itching ears kind of change the heart and the meaning of God's Word. They kind of use some of the religious language to justify it. It is very true that there are things in our life that are, the Bible is, is, does not say is like black and white, right, right or wrong. The music you listen to. The shows that you watch, right? Some people can watch certain shows, and their spirit is not affected in wrong ways. Some people can't. There's... there's Uh, there's ways that we are to be case by case and ask the Lord what is healthy and what's not for me and what I'm taking in. Alcohol, for example. The scripture is very clear. Drinking some alcohol is okay. You are not to get drunk. You are not to be owned by anything except me. So a little bit is okay, but for some people, man, one beer, that's all I can do before I cross the threshold. Some people, two or three, you know, whatever, right? We don't have these rules in some things. But There are things in the Scripture that are absolutely, uh, absolute black and white. It's not about, well, you do it when you feel it or not. For example, we are to always worship the one true God. There's no bending whenever I want to or not. Another example, we are never to cheat on our spouse. We are not to go, well, I feel like it, I don't feel like it, God's grace, so I'll just do it when I feel like it. Uh, We are never to steal or murder Now, of course, any time we, any kind of sin, when we genuinely repent, we are forgiven by God. This is the beauty of it, is he knows that we're a mess, and so we can get right back up and ask his strength to obey these very clear, absolute words from the Lord. Um, Our perfection doesn't earn heaven, but his grace and forgiveness does not make the heart feel better about disobeying God. That's something wrong with us if we're taking in his forgiveness and going, thanks for hooking me up with grace. I'm going to go screw up again. I'll be right back tomorrow for more grace. This is an awesome system. Something's a little weird there. You know what I'm saying? What it is is like, you're supposed to kill me. You're supposed to curse me, but you've chosen not to. You're forgiving me. You are the only one worthy of worship. I want to honor you. That's how we, see, it's never okay to steal. And the Bible says that when we do not give our 10%, we are stealing from God. God has given us his money, and he said, okay, we're going to do this together. You're my partner. You're managing my stuff. 10% of it back as a test of loyalty and worship. And when we don't, here's what he says in the Bible, in Malachi chapter 3. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you, God? You have cheated me of the 10% and offerings due to me. Bring all 10% into the temple, and if you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Do you hear the heart of God in his word? He's basically saying, Give me the 10% and show me that you truly want me to take care of your financial world, and I will blow your socks off. I'm way better at taking care of you and your family than you are. But I'm not a God of words and intention. Oh, I will. I'll get to it. If you don't give it to me, then I'll just let you do what you want to do, which is you just want to believe it's all your stuff and you're going to take care of stuff. And so here's the thing, right? Now, it is true that people can still give 10% and still have like a heart that's cold to God's heart. That's actually what Jesus is correcting in the Gospels. He corrects the giving. He doesn't say stop giving 10%. He says 10% is the training wheels. That's the floor. Everybody is to be there. But then as I give you more money, then you are to give more to those who are in need. When i blow you away by my generosity and your provision, you are to actually give more percentage. That percentage is supposed to move up as I give you more from 10 to 12 to 13 to 15 to 20. That's what he's talking about. Don't turn your back on the poor and lose the heart of this. I'm, I'm, I'm making you a generous person who just trusts me and is extravagant. See, this principle of Scripture, it guides us no matter what we're making. And i got to tell you, this 10%, baby, it is hard for all people and everywhere. It's hard for, for those of us who are very poor, and it's hard for those of us who are very wealthy. I've experienced the whole range in my 25 years, more than that, of following Jesus and trying to apply this 10% on my life. Because this is a word for pastors, too. I, me and my family, we got to give that 10%. When when our children were very little and we were living here on the apartments Lincoln Park, we weren't making very much. We were qualifying for some government help. That's tough to give 10% when you're going month to month. That is a tough act. When you even though even though it was like $200, right? It was $200. Boy, when you're making $2,000, that $200 is tough. And I got to tell you something. Folks who are making very little who give 10% are the spiritual heroes in America. I want to say that again. If you are not making a lot of money and you are giving 10%, you are the ones we should follow, that we should receive prayer from, and that we should hear about your testimony. Because you are deliberately saying, I I am I am not bowing down to the idol of materialism. I am not bowing down to the idol of survival and just anxiety. I am going to give, even when I am struggling month to month, to my God who will take care of all of my needs. I want to be around you. But then all the way, boy, when you get up to, when you're making a lot more money, you know, it's really hard to do that 10% because all of a sudden that 10% is a lot of dollars. When you figured out, you're like, holy cow, I could do a lot with that money. And that's hard to give that 10%. I have a a friend of mine who does financial advising as a Christian guy, and he tells me, he works with some very wealthy people. He's like, I just don't understand it. I've got somebody who makes $400,000 a year after taxes, net profit, and he cannot stop living in $500,000 a year expenses. He's in more and more debt every year. See, if you don't figure out this 10% trusting God when you have little, you'll never figure it out when you're wealthy. There's always more to get. Always every the neighbors getting this, I got to get more entertainment. It's just oh, how many of us in this room can testify that we are making the kind of money that we're making right now because of God's incredible blessing in our lives. I know I can. We were given privileges, we were given hookups, we were given connections, we were given great brains, healthy bodies, right, to work hard, good people skills, whatever it is. And when we were making a little, we were given 10%, but now that we're making so much, are we giving less? We are stealing from God. And, and over the years, me and my wife, my family, we have been challenged, like, as we've been giving more, we've got to move that needle up. 10%, 12%, 15%, 17%, 20. We got to move it up. And what we do to hold us accountable is that we record where we give everything. So at the end of the year at Christmas, in the most materialistic time of the year, we gather as a family and we look at the record of where did we give everything all year long and how much and are we faithful to God? And let's re-up for the next year because God is our provider, not Santa Claus. Oh, church. If, if, if you start, if you know God's blessing you and you start sliding from that 10%, what happens? He's patient, but eventually he just lets his hand off and goes, well, you, if you think it's your money? I'll let you go. And then there's some chaos eventually. And then we come right back. So let's just, let's just do this. Do we want our ears tickled or do we want the truth? Oh, put God to the test and watch him make you healthy and whole. I know the big, big issue. When the church, when we teach the Bible on giving ten percent, is well, what's my church doing with the ten percent? I'll tell you right now. Uh, ask me, ask Dave, ask the elders to show you what we're doing. This is the most financially healthy, integrous church uh, that I've ever been a part of. It is amazing, and the our, we, we have some staff. They are we desperately need to give them a raise. We just don't have the money. Uh, we pay them very simple. And then we take whatever is given to us and we take 10% because we want to obey the scripture and we leave it in a fund. We do not use it for staff or operating expenses and we give it away to whatever needs come up in our community, friends, and family because we're like, if we need God to keep our church going, we got to obey the scripture. We need this word. We need the word, the scripture. We need to have a regular rhythm of being in the Bible to help save our fragile selves that drift off. I felt the Lord call me as a pastor, to teach on this. I wasn't going to be teaching on this, uh, but I felt like as a spiritual family, as a community, we've uniquely been drifting away from the Bible. Just a little bit. See, here at New Life, boy, we love the Spirit of God. We love the love of God here in this church. Can we get an amen for the love of God? We love the love of God. Yep, yep, all right, we love it, yep. And we need even more the love of God, and we need even more of the Spirit of God. But see, there's a spectrum that all churches fall on. On this side right here, you got churches that are all about the Bible. There's no spirit at all. I mean, it's just all study, all Bible, all word, right? And their, their functional trinity is God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Bible. They even will try to justify there is no more spirit that moves. That After the New Testament churches, there's no more Holy Spirit, no more power. And ironically, they have to do the most horrible interpretations to try to justify that interpretation. Then you got all the way over here on this end, you got the churches that are that are all the Spirit. There's no Bible. Their functional trinity is God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, right? And it's just, man, we're just getting after it. We're praying. We're going nuts, right? And there's no... See, we, we want to be a church that is right in the middle, the Word and the Spirit together. See, we want to pursue the gift of prophecy and hearing God's voice in real time. We want healing and miracles, but... See, on this end, it can be all about this prayer and worship, but then not being in the, in the Word to correct things that are wrong. We can hear God's Word of love, but we don't hear His Word of challenge because we don't want to hear it because we're not in the Word. We need to get back into that Scripture. Um, we need to be a people of the Word to keep the main thing the main things, to keep our fragile and rebellious and comfort-seeking spirits from sliding away from God's leadership. See, I have been a part of some revivals. I mean, I've been a part of miracles and the power of the Spirit of God happening, and I've loved it. And what I've learned after 20-some years is that these moments that the Lord knows that we need His power right now. But there has nothing that has transformed my life and my thinking more than the Bible and being in the Bible. Do you want your ears tickled or do you want the truth? So will you make a choice to spend time in the sacred scriptures coming into the year? Will you make a choice to submit your itching ears to the Word of God instead of the words of everything else? Practically, church, I want to encourage you, don't feel that what you have to do coming out of this sermon is just read through the whole Bible this year. That's like really popular in January. You open a Bible app, and it's read through the Bible in a year programs, right? And here's the problem. We all start it, and then we stop at Leviticus because, dang, Leviticus is tough, and it comes so early. And it's like, golly, that's boring. You know what I mean? Oh, there is some long, tough stuff in the Bible. Now, reading the Bible through in a whole year, some of you might be in a place where I have never done it, and I've got to take the challenge. And, and let me tell you, from experience, if you really want to read through the Bible in the year, you've got to set a discipline, and you've got to have real accountability. So when my, old, my firstborn was born, I mean, they, they cut the umbilical cord and give it to me, and I'm in this huge emotional moment. I'm a father now. Don't ever make vows to God when you're in an emotional moment. And I'm just like, I want to be a great father, God. I'm going to read your Bible every year, all the way through, so I can be a great father. And I made that vow. And let me tell you, how many years that November and December I was cramming, trying to get that vow finished, because I hadn't read all, very much through the year. But that really helped me. I got through it, right? And 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 then finally, my oldest son turned 18. He's an adult, and I felt the Lord released me. Okay, 18 years, you're good. <laughs> right? What I would do, though, to help me each year to kind of get me going is I would pick a topic to look for. So I would say, this year, I'm going to look at everything the Bible has to say when I read it all the way through on race, ethnicity, and unity. Then the next year, I'm going to see everything it says about money. The next year, I'm going to see everything it says about romantic relationships, right? I mean, just I just want to just get the whole breath. Now, listen, I'm a pastor. I should be reading the Bible a lot more than people who are not pastors, okay? Uh, but so my encouragement is, where are you at right now? Don't feel the need to read the whole Bible through in a year. If you have drifted away from the Bible and you have not been in it for a while or very strong, go back to the part of the Bible where God spoke to you at some point. Amen. if your book is Mark, get into Mark. If it's Genesis, get into Genesis. If it's Philippians, get into Philippians. Go back because it's a living document. So every one of us, God will speak a unique part of the Bible into who we are and the purposes of our life. And that those are core books and core passages that are true, that are just uniquely true for Tay, right? And uniquely true for right, anybody for you. And so you want to stay in those and go, God remind me of what is true, and then speak fresh to this, and then figure out what's then I branch off into. Um, There are so many Bibles, right? You can get the Bible apps if you prefer to read on your phone. Some of you have an audio feature. You can listen to it. I prefer paper Bibles for focus and deeper study, but I use both. But in the end, you just have to make time. And here's the last thing I want to say. You know, I was sick with COVID. Uh, You know, when you get real sick, I was down for a few days. I mean, it was, it was pretty rough. What do they tell you? Oh, you just, you just veg out, man. You just watch TV. And that's just in my brain. So for about eight days, I am just screening it up, baby. I mean, now, you all know I'm not a social media guy, but I am a news junkie. So I have news apps on my phone. I am in as much news as those of you addicted with social media and social media, right? So I have no judgment over you social media folks. I'm, in, I'm a sick. I just have a different way that I live it out, Right. I'm in the news, I YouTube videos, I'm watching shows, and by the time my physical body is healthy, I realize that my emotional and my mental, uh, my brain, it's totally sick. I, there is nothing that will just suck your soul like too much screen. I mean, it's a unique thing, man. You can watch hours of that thing, and you just, you just feel lonely. You feel cranky. You just feel, Ugh. And, I, and, and then I'm sitting down and I'm asking, Lord, what are we preaching on and, and coming out of COVID? And I feel this and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to repent. And so for one week now, since last Sunday, I've had a fast from all that stuff. So uh, I, I've, had, I've had a fast from all the watching the news and everything. I cannot believe how fast it took for my emotional health and my mental health to come back. It has been awesome. Because you know how it is, right? It's like all day long. I got, you know, 10 minutes in between meetings check my news. Uh, I got, you know, lunch break, check my news. I go to the bathroom, we'll stay there a little longer because I'm checking my news, right? You're just, and now all of a sudden this week, every time I'm checking some more scripture. I'm reading some more scripture. I'm getting convicted here. I'm getting affirmed here. One morning I was studying it and I got lost in it for four hours. That has not happened in years. And I was like, God, what are you doing? And the Lord was like, I am giving you what I want you to give to the church. This is a season and a time to rekindle a love for God through the Bible. It is a time to get back into the riches of the scripture, to gain his clear words to us, to gain feeding for our emotional and mental health, for the resiliency that Sergio was talking about. One psalm every day that we pray on to feed and feast on that to say, this truth of God will hold me strong when everything around me wants to crush me. hmm I'm going to keep going. I don't know how long I'm going to fast from this. I've decided that I'll read news on my day off, so I'm not an idiot. I know a little bit what's going on in the world. So, six days, I'm off. I'm going to do another week at least. Join me. Figure out your own fast. Figure out what's appropriate to you. You've got to create time. Just like the tithing of 10%, it's not about intentions or feelings or, yes, that sounds great. It's saying, God, I'm going to give you this specifically. I'm going to give you this time and I'm going to do this. So, but, uh, I'm not going to have, uh, actually, I'm going to have Maggie come up and play the piano. The way we're going to respond is we're going to meditate on, um, a scripture, and then we're going to go into communion, uh, and we're going to close our service today. We're going to meditate on the word instead of singing the, the, the songs of God. We are going to worship like crazy week in and week out, but I want us to, to close with some scriptural meditation, um, and, uh. You know, I was going to do a certain scripture, but I'm inspired by Sergio. I'm going to have us meditate on Psalm chapter 1. I've said a lot. Let's quiet ourselves and let God land the plane right here in our hearts. Let him give you courage to say yes to whatever specifics he's calling you to. You know, you know what was of God today and what wasn't for yourself. If it's time to trust him with that giving, Give it to that. Give it to him. If some of you need to just do it right now, this is your time. If you need to commit to him certain specific disciplines or practices, we're going to be in this topic, if you will, for the next two weeks. We're going to help each other as a family. Just keep getting into the word of God. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's just quiet ourselves. I'm going to read this scripture, and I just want you to hear it, and I want you to use your imagination Jesus is speaking this to you and he might highlight a particular sentence that I say and you're to just stay on that, to pray on that. He might give you a picture of what I'm reading that is your life. He might just give you just a great desire for more of this word. He might just give you courage to obey. Come Holy Spirit of God, come and speak to us through your word. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do.